Whether on the go or at the table, get lost in a conversation about everything coffee with your host, Eric Ortiz. Hey everyone, welcome to Everything Coffee, a podcast that delves into the relationship of coffee with a variety of people. From manufacturers, cafe owners, coffee roasters, social media personalities, and so much more. This podcast takes on a deep conversation about everything coffee. Today I welcome Barrett Alice, electrical engineer by day but by night. He is a founder of the world-famous Porta Keeper. We discuss the path Barrett took getting to the now-famous product, setbacks and successes in the future of Porta Keeper, and love of coffee that sent him off on his journey. You can visit Porta Keeper at portakeeper.com and on Instagram at portakeeper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Barrett Alice. Hey Barrett, how are you, sir? Hey Eric, thanks for having me on your podcast. This is exciting. Absolutely, I, I always, uh, I, I'm always just, just so happy to bring on new guests, especially those in in the manufacturing world, because the whole idea of this this podcast is to kind of bring in all of these these um, these individuals who who really have brought something to the coffee world, whether it just be the enthusiasm, social media, or the manufacturing of products and and Porta Keeper, man, it's it's out there. Um, I, I know a lot of people that have them. Um, they're always showing up on photos wherever I'm looking and, uh, it's such a big product and I'm seeing here, you're, you're an electrical engineer, uh, by, by trade. How, how has that been for you? Oh, it's been interesting. I do primarily work in oil and gas industry for, you could consider it kind of like their sub distribution. So they deliver power to the plant and then we distribute the power throughout the plant, various big motors, transformers, and. I enjoy it quite a bit. So tinkering is tinkering is something I've always (laughs) noticed whenever I've talked to anyone. uh, And it goes back to when I started doing roaster uh, spotlight, a little video uh, kind of podcast on on Instagram, but I would showcase roasters, but everyone that I've seen in the industry who has either been a roaster or kind of a a manufacturer, they've always been someone that's always been hands-on, a very go-getter that describe you. Oh yeah, definitely. I started out little kid building stuff. I was definitely not the normal little kid <laughs> wanting Radio Shack stuff and Radio Shack gift card versus toys. And for our listeners, Radio Shack used to be a store. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that old, I promise. I, you know, I remember as a kid, I always loved going to Radio Shack. We had a, a mall here. Um, that that had a Radio Shack in there, and I would go in there, not know a single thing of what I was looking for. But I used to do podcasting back in the uh, early nineties, uh, like like mid nineties, and not not early nineties, mid nineties, uh, before it was even big and popular. And um, I was still a kid at that point. But I remember going to Radio Shack, buying myself my my first mixer and microphone. But I was definitely not the the, the tech enough person to know the mechanical side of what really Radio Shack was known for. So yeah, for all of those individuals that don't know what Radio Shack is, there you go. It's 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 doesn't exist anymore sadly, but it's it, it was uh, <laughs> definitely a facet in our lives. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself besides the electrical engineering side of your of your your past Barrett. What what's gotten you so so developed and so uh in 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 love with coffee? So as Younger kid, my mom always served church ladies coffee after church, and I never really cared for it. It was just like Folgers drip and a giant perk machine. But it's, I was—it's always Folgers. Smell. It's always Folgers. It's always Folgers. 
gave my father-in-law a hard time the other day because he had Folgers at his house. I oh, no. better than this. <laughs> but always enjoyed the smell and ended up getting her a really cheap espresso machine when I was pretty young. And I just kind of started liking it. Uh, it was always this cheap coffee from like Sam's Club or Walmart. But as I got older and into college, coffee seemed to become more of a specialty thing. People were making roasts that weren't just your normal roast. I know Starbucks was the big deal in college, and it was okay. I mean, when you didn't know any better. Sure. But I always saw these beautiful machines. I always wanted a rocket Giotto. I like the angled corners. Is that, is that your gear morning. right now? Is, is that what you have? I have three espresso machines. So I have a Giotto. I have a Quick Mill Vitrato Evo 2B. I can't believe their name, but it's a really cool machine. It's a dual boiler. It has the pressure profiling and the PIDs, dual PIDs. And then I have a small lever machine and something like, I'd have to count, nine grinders. What What is it about us that we can't just stop at one of anything? I know. I It's it's ridiculous. I, I um. I can't stop myself. I'm always looking like on offer up on uh, Facebook to see if anyone's selling something unique. And I, I think I'm just re- like recently I was just going after some guys, uh, Gaja classic. And I was like, I don't need it. I just want it. <laughs> gotta have a Gaja. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have the Gaja, right? You have to. Yep. So coffee is kind of rooted up a, a little differently for you, but how about that electrical engineering side? Because th- this all comes to play in terms of your skills that led up to Porter keeper. Yeah, for sure. Um, growing up, my grandma's neighbor owned a Harley-Davidson drag racer shop, so they built drag bikes that would go about 200 miles an hour, and nice. she'd go get her hair done at the same shop. So about three years old, I'd go, and I'd watch them cut metal and bend pipe, and about eight years old, they had me take welding pipe and all around all this like large machinery for a little kid and just always fascinated me. And they're always afraid that I was bothering them. They're like, no, this kid just loves it. And he's, he's quiet and just absorbing it. And I think that's something that I didn't even realize for probably good 15 years is just how much I absorbed from watching other people and that they even were cool with me being around them and trying to, I mean, they weren't outwardly teaching me. Sure. But I think that's just really important for other people that are in industries like this. Just get kids involved. You don't even really realize what they're learning. They're like little sponges, right? Just absorbing what they can. Yeah. Taking what they can. So, so you, you grew up in that realm and then, um, went to school for electrical engineering. Yeah. That I really liked mechanical stuff, but electrical just seemed like a better fit for me. And even to this day, it's, it's really what I've called been called to do. Um, I love it. It's really, it's really fascinating, honestly. So this kind of check from the mechanical side to the electrical side and they intertwine so much. I mean, all this machinery is so big and there's the mechanical aspect to everything that we build. I, and, and with everything that you <laughs> built, I know that it's taking you to that border keeper and, and the 3d printing world. How did you get into that when when it came down to 3D printing? Because I know it wasn't just an instant, like, ah, you know, uh, epiphany. Uh, I have the Porta Keeper in mind. I mean, yeah. there, there's obviously a path forward to that. But how did that start with the 3D printing? 
Yeah, that's well, we'll take a step back. I went to Wichita State University and they were really big on the 3D printing. They did a different type of 3D printing back 15 years ago, probably. Sure. And it used some sort of a powder, but I always thought it was really cool. They were using it for all this technology. They were using it for surgeries, stuff like that. They were like printing out people's skulls to do brain tumor removal practice before they actually did it. Yeah. And they had a prosthetics lab. And I'm like, man, these things are just blowing my mind that they can scan someone recreate it into a 3d model and then print it so was just always there but it was just not attainable because these machines were hundred thousand dollars or more sure and i actually had a friend that i went to college with and we had kind of a idea for a part that we wanted to make and 3d printer price had come way down he had a really small one that took forever i mean we couldn't even print our part (laughs) on it but we ended up uh, buying a Prusa, which is a pretty common 3D printer nowadays, and it was about $1,000. And making this part, it didn't really become a viable part. It was just too expensive to produce, too slow to produce. But now we had a 3D printer, so we're trying, I mean, a big part of an engineer's life, I guess, is figuring out a problem to, or a solution to a problem. And, and, you, and so, you figured it out little <clears> by little. Little by little, he's, my friend was a big archery guy and he ended up developing a product for archery and I ended up, well, how the Porta Keeper was born is I had my rocket Giotto in our kitchen and someone walked by, I think, yeah, this is after my first was born and knocked the Porta filter out of the group head and it, I mean, it's shiny machine and. And it you fell can, all over it. And you, you can, can never it up. And you can never unsee it, can you? No, it's horror, yeah. <laughs> Slow motion. And I'm like, all right, this just is not working. And I hated leaving it on a towel on the drip tray. And I'm like, I got a 3D printer. We're gonna make this happen. We're gonna do it. Well, that 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 turned into <laughs> so much here. Uh I, I know for a fact that I have dropped my uh portafilter many times and I will be the first person to point out, like, oh, I can see the scratch. And everyone's just like, what scratch? I'm like, it's there. I know it's (laughs) It's there. And it bugs me. And so you created Portafilter out of all of that coming out of it. And it's become this, this, it really has. I I know when we were talking a little bit before the broadcast, um, we, we, you know, you you had asked me, I was like, oh, how did did I find you? I was like, well, no, you you have to understand, you're you're pretty famous in this world uh, when it comes down to the product. It's, uh, it's out there. It's definitely living in the wild. And uh, quite a few people that enjoy coffee, that take coffee in a serious way, um, that, that care about the, the aesthetics of, of their machines and want to make sure to protect certain things about them. I see a lot of people that have these products that you, you've designed over time. And then That's it's, awesome. Yeah. No, no. It it's, it's really is. I, I, I bet it, it's, it's pretty an interesting uh thing to see sometimes just random pictures show up and you're like, Hey, there it is. Spot the portafilter. I love that. <laughs> Someone sent me a picture just last week and he goes, Hey, I saw this espresso machine and it made me think of you. And I'm like, that's my product. He didn't even know. <laughs> I sold that. <laughs> and that has been fantastic. How's business been for you in terms of the border keeper? It's been pretty good this year. It's grown tremendously in the past year. We've upped our production. We've started offering, additional products um we have seven different variants of the porta keeper and then 
kind of similar to knocking my portafilter out of the machine. One of my reg barber tampers was knocked off the counter and we ended up making the tamper keeper because of that. Very nice. And immediately after making that, everyone said, well, I want one for my distribution tool or I have a self-leveling tamper, something to that effect. So I said, okay, we can make you an oversized one. And those have been extremely popular. And people have even found new uses for some of these products. I've seen people put dosing cups in the distribution tool holder. Um, I know with the Nish Zero, there was like little bellows. Those fit nicely into the Porta Keeper. Nice. People really like those. So people are just really kind of finding some interesting yeah. and, and Barrett, ways. And, and Barrett, for, for those of us that, that are listening in that don't know what Porta Keeper is, and this is the first exposure they've had to it, Describe exactly what the Porta Keeper does in terms of, of the product and, and what it's designed to do. Yeah, for sure. It's a, So you have your Porta Filter, and it's a vertical wall rack that stores your Porta Filter on a wall or on a flat surface. Some people put them right next to their machine because they do look pretty nice. You can see your fancy Porta Filter. Some people have nice wood handles, and it really just adds an extra pop to the wall next to your espresso setup. And similar with the other products, like the Tamper Keeper, it's a tray that mounts on the wall that holds your tampers or your distribution tools. And really, like, kind of our motto for a while was, um, I'd have to think of what it said, is quick and accessible, stays clean. So it's just right there. And you can just grab it, put it in. I like it for my back flush blind. A lot of people, they don't back flush their machines because they're blind is in a drawer it's across the kitchen it's like man it's right there you just take there your you filter out hang it up get your blind back flush so everything is just extremely accessible but it's also you can show off all your nice accessories and, and being that you're, you're you're an electrical engineer by day right and, and, and until you find yeah. the, the the mechanical closet and you change into your your superhuman uh strength which is the owner of, of Porta Keeper, um, how has production been difficult for you in terms of trying to produce and keep up with the want of such a product? Yeah, for sure. I mean, ever evolving. I'm making Porta Keepers for machines that I don't even own. That was problem number one. So going out and buying a bunch of different Porta filters, even for your standard 58 millimeter, there's a lot, a lot of variance between manufacturers. So making sure that everything fits perfectly. That that was kind of issue number one. And then issue number two, since they are 3d printed, you kind of have to keep your print farm running. So you're buying more 3d printers. They have issues where they break or they jam. The pressures are really good. So that doesn't happen very often, but different plastics run different. Um, we do sleep, so they don't always run all night or sure. when I'm at work. Depending on what's hot right now, it might be a print that's shorter, so I'm wasting time that I can't come back home and start that printer again. So do I buy more printers or make someone wait an extra day? We pretty much get everything out next day, no matter what. And this, there is a few exceptions. Sure. And, and I was going to ask you, in terms of uh, just <clears throat> the challenges of, of being an owner and producing these items, what's been the biggest just you weren't aware of what was going to happen when you started this, just the biggest challenge that's just kind of 
been following you a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of a funny one. I mean, people that I work with and that I know, they think, oh man, it'd be nice to get extra money and I need to start my side gig. And like, man, it is so much extra work. I can't even tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every morning I get up. I mean, it's just kind of the routine. You get up, you get out of bed, you get ready. Uh, I have my espresso machine on a Wemo, so it turns on automatically and it gets hot. And I go straight to my basement and I start the whole print farm. Stuff starts printing. If I have any orders that I needed to finish from the night before, I fulfill those. And then I usually go up to my kitchen and then it's like it's Instagram time, Facebook time. So I'm shooting pictures of the products and trying to be diverse and some of that. And then you go to work for nine or 10 hours and come home and you start it all over again. So you go back down you start the printers. Is it just you? And that's no, it's just me running the business. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's quite a bit. Yeah, it's quite a bit. And then somewhere in there you have dinner and some family time. And usually once everyone goes to bed, it's time to package orders for the evening. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes you're up till midnight. I don't know where you find the time. I I don't know where you find the energy. (laughs) It wears you out a little bit, but that's probably been my biggest looking back. That's what I really wanted. I'm like, man, I can't wait to come home and just put some stuff in some packages and have this nice little side income, something that I really enjoy doing too. Sure. And it's quite a bit more than that. Is it still fun for you though, Barrett? Yeah, I love it. Good. I, I, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about that prior to going on the broadcast and we talked a little bit about like how much this is, you know, we, we have nine to fives here and, and more than that. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and, and definitely like myself, I, I, I don't make money off the podcast. You know, I, one can hope down the road and, you know, 20, 30 years that if this thing's still going, it's an empire. It's not, it's not going to be an empire. It's just fun. And, but for you, yeah. It's more than that, though. It, it, it's growing into something that's kind of evolving constantly because it started with Porter Keeper, and then you had the the Tamper Keeper, and then all of a sudden now you, you're creating products for for things that, that a normal coffee person wouldn't think that they need this, but then you have AeroPress like holders and uh, V60 yeah. holders, filter holders. How has that evolved for you in terms of, like, do you find a demand for something and then – ask around research or is it just a straight up I'm just going to shoot at this and see what sticks it's 50 50 on the filter keepers I have the v60 filter keeper and I have the aeropress filter keeper and then now I have the 58 millimeter one for the paper filters that go in your porta filter some of it has just been people hounding me I want this I want this I want this and you just have to find the time to do the R&D although a lot of these look pretty simple. It actually goes through a dozen iterations before I'm happy with anything. So it has to print well. That's issue number one. And then everything has to fit well. And there's a lot of thought that goes into it. But for the most part, it's been people requesting stuff that's driven a lot of these. And I'm like, okay, we got enough people that are bringing up the same thing. Let's, let's give it a go. Part of it also is it's something that I want. So the AeroPress and the V60 one are two that I had wanted to make for quite some time. And it was just a matter of, I couldn't even keep up with the supply of water filters. So how could I wow. keep up with more, more products? Wow. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I can see the problem right there, especially when it's just yourself in the production of this 
and trying to manage all of your your you know daily life as as well as being a family man and then of course having this business on the side which is i mean it's not just the business on the side anymore it's it's evolving how is it that you've gotten so big uh barrett i mean in terms of social media how do you promote yourself in terms of getting the product out there i think most of it's just social media and who you know um not like i know that many people but you get to know a lot of people through this Facebook posts. Um, I'm one of the admins and, um, I don't even know how I'd put it. We're an admin for the home espresso aficionados group on Facebook. That's grown up quite a bit. It's over 30,000 people and it's a pretty active group. Nice. Um, just Instagram. Instagram's been my huge one for self-promotion. You can use tons of hashtags. It's free. Have you can't you, really get much better than that. How how is the Etsy site working too? I mean, you you have production. I mean, you have the website porterkeeper.com and then yeah. you have Instagram. Is is that where you're making most of your sales through via sending people off the link tree to to let's say purchase it via Etsy or something else? It's pretty interesting. It's pretty 50-50. So at the end of the month, in some months one does better than the others. We started on Etsy and I wasn't too sure about Etsy to begin with because I don't buy from Etsy. I think of it as arts and crafts, people making earrings and stuff like that. But if you haven't been there and looked, it is so much more than that. And Etsy has been really good for my business. And I haven't looked recently. We're one of the top Etsy shops on there. I mean, we're like number a couple hundred down, but. It it is we have amazing. Quite a bit of volume. Yeah, it's it's amazing how what you can find now on Etsy in terms of products. It's it's evolved itself, and you, you included onto that 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 platform where it's not just about like you know the home crafts, but we're talking about three you know, D printed items, quite a bit of them, and especially just different people that are out there. One one of the biggest challenges, and I, we talked a little bit about this before as well, Barrett. It was the the fact that this is three D printing. And you own yeah. the, the trademark on here, but yet the challenge of it is that anyone with a 3D printer and a little bit of knowledge or even just the right file can just take this idea that you've created a business on and kind of mimic that. What 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 has been the challenges in terms of it? Because I know a couple of months back there was a post that you had made about just being a little upset, and rightfully so, about an individual that was mimicking and even took the name, I think, Porta Keeper and was trying yep. to kind of run with that. What is that? How much of that has been affecting you in terms of business growth? It does affect us quite a bit, and it is frustrating, but I think it's this 2022, and it's really hard. If you're a big-name company, you can probably put a stop to it. And you have your attorneys, and they can send a cease and desist. Most of the people that are probably ripping you off are small, small enough that they would sure. probably stop. And it wouldn't be a problem, but it's really hard for a guy working out of his basement to have someone that you don't even know stop ripping off your idea. And the name Porta Keeper is trademarked. I have had, like you mentioned, there was a guy, I can't even remember what country he was from. And he sent me these pictures and he was at a coffee trade show and he had like my exact brand logo as his backdrop <laughs> i'm, I'm fascinated like, man this idea is <laughs> i'm fascinated so yeah i'm fascinated by the idea why he would even send you photos thinking that he, he was probably going to get some kind of like hey thumbs up you know like this is a franchisee and it's like no 
no. I was so upset. Um, there are people that make a similar product. I was first. Doesn't really matter who's first. It's really, I mean, in the world of 3D printing, it makes something that was so attain- unattainable 10, 20 years ago really easily attainable. And, and so with that being said, Barrett, obviously in business, it's it's like, you either stay a, a, a ahead of the game or, or you fall behind. And so what has been the future status for Porter Keeper in terms of trying to, to outpace these individuals or even the ideas that come out? What have you been doing to try to kind of offset that? Yeah, our big upcoming news, and I've just kind of kept it hush-hush because it has been such a long process to get going. But we are going to begin injection molding some of our more popular products. It'll be... The Type 1 Porta Keeper, which fits 90% of the machines out there. Wow. And the Type 4 Porta Keeper, which fits Breville machines specifically. <laughs> Breville had to be different. And right? <laughs> they had to be different. But they are, I mean, you can go get a Breville Bambino for like 300 bucks. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that. So uh, they're extremely popular. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to be injection molding the Camper Keeper and the Distribution Tool Keeper because. Those are probably our four most solid products out of everything. So injection molding for people that aren't familiar with that, instead of 3D printing, it's a metal cavity and a large press presses plastic into the mold, and you can create the part within a minute versus hours yeah. from one part. So the whole so. idea is, is create uh, just, just products and have them in inventory rather than trying to catch up to orders and and trying to yep. feed them as fast as possible. Yep. And hopefully it'll allow me to reduce some price, but also what has picked up a ton for Porta Keeper is wholesaling. And really, I think what deters people from buying the product sometimes is they're like, man, this, this thing's 18 bucks and it cost me 15 to ship to the UK or oh, to Australia. That is killer. But I have people in the UK and Australia and Dubai that, they all wholesale my products. So their shipping's, I don't know, probably the equivalent of $5 versus 15 And people are a lot more inclined to buy from them. But when someone calls and says, hey, I need 150 of these, it's really hard to do 150 when you're trying to keep up with day job plus daily sales. So this will allow for a lot more mass production, getting it out there. Sure. And what scares you the most, Barrett, in terms of the volatility, in terms of coffee and, and the market itself? It, 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 my, my fear, when I look at it, and I don't have numbers in front of me and I don't see what you're seeing, but sometimes I wonder, like, okay, at some point, am I going to hit everyone that I thought I hit and, and then my, my product's not going to be sold as, as, as much as I was doing previously? Or is, is there always hope that a new product comes out, like, like you have this product for the Turin uh, DF64, yeah. Um, and are you just looking at new concepts constantly and saying, if this one doesn't, you know, do as well as I expected it to, something else will pick up that slack? I think that's probably the best way to put it. I think there'll always be new enthusiasts joining every day. That's what we learned originally in the archery side. I mentioned the archery with my original business partner. Sure. Um, you have someone that they've never shot a bow before and, then all of a sudden the next season comes around and they're like, man, I'm getting into this and they're now starting this new hobby. 
And then you also have people that were just gung-ho the previous year that just fade away. So I just always feel like you're always going to have people that have never had an espresso machine before. And they start out with like your, your Gaja that you mentioned. Those are really inexpensive, but great machine. And at some point they're going to say, okay, I want my rocket or my quick mill or my Willette. And they're going to keep growing in that journey. And hopefully there'll be a returning customer. We have just tons of returning customers. I have people tag me all the time and I don't even realize that I sent them a product. I just ship them out and I don't, don't always look at names and then they tag you and it's like, Oh man, you got a new machine. That's awesome. Congrats. So I feel like you have your, your new people that are just getting into it. And then you have your people like us that are trying to go to the next level and will hopefully be a returning customer. Sure. And and when did you see your biggest boom in business? Was it during the pandemic, Barrett? I, I would say during that- the pandemic was very interesting because we all received those those checks in the mail, and as soon as those checks hit, sales is better than Christmas. <laughs> it was insane. Couldn't keep up. It was just churning them out as fast as you can. Sure, that's really when things took off. It's it's really amazing when I bring in guests and we talk a little bit about the that pandemic and it's like the it's almost like in Marvel's blip right just something that happened during that time frame. Um, life changed and, and coffee became. I don't want to say coffee wasn't ever you know not a fad, but it almost felt like coffee became a big deal again during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. and, and being that people <laughs> didn't go to you know these these big box chain stores that that we have out here, you know everyone knows what yep. we're talking about. But they started buying their machines, and like you said, you could get a Breville Bambino for three hundred bucks, or you can go online to to buy a a used Gaja, like I, I've been trying to get, you know, this guy to sell me his. Um, and, and you're going to have a solid machine that produces, and that's kind of like the little lore, right? Because it, we know, uh, and like we talked a little bit about earlier, you can't stop at just one. No. And before you know it, you're you're like yourself, that you know, you have so many grinders, so many espresso machines. I have two, you know, two kettles that I don't know why I need two kettles for, but I have them. At the same yep. exact kind of kettle, just two different colors. Um, and, and there's always some kind of new product that comes out there that maybe it lacks a little something like the the DF64 that, you know, this little this little aesthetic thing that they didn't think about, but then you're, you came out and say, well, I can fix that. Yeah, for sure. I think just bringing back what you said, the pandemic really brought out a lot of new enthusiasts for the coffee world. People, they want their coffee. They weren't necessarily going to go out and get a cup of coffee at the drive-thru that may or may not even be open or the coffee shop that they frequent. So they timidly bought some equipment and hope for the best. And I think I've seen a lot of people go from nothing to amazing gear within a year of the pandemic. Oh, they sure. Never, they had never used an espresso machine day in their life before that. Yeah. It, it, it is amazing how much um, Instagram blew up in coffee <clears throat> alone. And in terms of just a traffic and social media kind of uh, picture after picture, people buying these new these new machines, and then and with that comes with these these ideas like, well, how 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 much do you want to protect it? And so something like the Porta Keeper keeps those Porta filters protected and the tampers protected, but also available, you know, within hand. So like someone like myself that has limited space, 
that looks at, you know, a small little apartment, something like this makes a big difference in terms of, of just availability and, and grabbing something like for me, the next, uh, when I was looking at your website, I, I saw the, the, the V60 holder and the, the AeroPress and I'm like, man, that's what I need. I need that in my life, Barrett. Yep. Even <laughs> yeah, you're non espressive people. That's kind of what I'm hoping to get to as well as you're non espressive people. They still have a Chemex. They still have a V60. They still have an AeroPress. And how can I improve their experience and keep their counters clean and organized? But also, you're not digging through a drawer trying to get a filter out. So, sure. Now, I, I think about what what would benefit me, and it seems to benefit other people as well. Absolutely, Barrett. I um, I'm always impressed by my guests because of what they bring to the table their passion for coffee, the fashion for what they're, what they're doing in terms of their business, whether, whether it be in social media, whether it be coffee roasters or manufacturers like yourself, I am just, uh, I, my, my, my tip of the hat to you, sir, for all that you're doing. Well, there thank and you. What it takes. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Where, where can people find Porta Keeper there, Barrett? Yeah. The place that I send people, if they're not searching on the internet is www.portakeeper.com. Uh, you can also find us on Etsy and soon I do have a shop on Amazon but right now we're only selling accessories on Amazon nice we're waiting for the injection mold to sell on Amazon so well, the Barrett, best is portakeeper.com absolutely Barrett thank you so much for being on the show sir I, I really appreciate you giving me the time and being able to talk with you fascinating as always well thank you for having me on absolutely and don't forget to subscribe to and get lost in a conversation about everything coffee podcast on apple and spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast visit everything coffee at everythingcoffee.podbean.com visit us on instagram at everything.coffee.podcast thank you for joining us and supporting local businesses in your city and around the world